بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار so in the previous lesson on this treatise al-jami' li'ibad li'ibadatillahi wahda we looked at the various forms and types of worship that which enters into ibadah and uh, there was maybe 12-15 different types of worship that the sheikh uh, mentioned uh, so as a recap we mentioned that first of all there was ad-du'a which is supplication from the greatest of the types of worship and we said that this is from the greatest types of worship often du'a is interchanged with ibadah in the Quran ad-du'a and ibadah are often used interchangeably in the in the Quran and this is because ad-du'a when you make ad-du'a to Allah when you call upon Allah there are numerous other forms and types of worship which are taking place at the same time in your heart there are numerous other types of worship so ad-du'a from the greatest of the forms of worship now we mentioned al-isti'ana seeking aid al-istighatha seeking rescue uh, sacrifice al-dhabh another which is making an oath and al-khawf which is fear, the different types of fear that we mentioned, al-raja, which is hope, placing hope in Allah, al-tawakkul, reliance, and the details that we discussed regarding reliance, al-inaba, which is turning back to Allah, al-mahabba, which is love, al-khashya, which is a type of awe, a type of fear, al-raghba, aspiring for Allah, hoping in Allah, al-rahba, which is being fearful and apprehensive, at-ta'alluh, which is devotion, al-ruku' as-sujood, which are the physical uh, acts of worship, al-khushu', which is lowering oneself, humility, at-tadallul, similar in meaning, lowering oneself, and at-ta'adheem, venerating Allah. So after mentioning all of these different forms and types of worship, the shaykh then goes on, and this is the start of today's lesson, he mentions the evidences for each and every single one of them. And Sheikh Al-Fawzan, he comments and says that when he mentioned all of the different types of worship, he wanted to provide evidence. He wanted to provide evidence from the Qur'an for every single type of worship because just mere speech without any evidence is would not be accepted. And... Especially when we are speaking about this affair, which is from the which is the greatest affair, or the the greatest affair in the Deen of Allah Azza wa Jalla, the affair of Tawheed. 
And that's why when Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, when you look at his works, you find that he's finding evidence or deriving evidence for every single one of his points. Uh, clear, manifest verses of the book that no one can dispute with, no one can argue with. And so therefore his hujjah, the, the proof that he presented to those people whom he called and who were his opponents, the proof was very clear, apparent and open. So he then goes on and mentions evidence for each one of these forms and types of worship to establish, number one, that it is from worship, it is ibadah. And once it is established that this action is from ibadah, by textual evidence of the, from the Qur'an, then therefore it proves automatically that to direct this to other than Allah automatically becomes shirk. So... This is one of the ways of uh, argumentation that uh, Sheikh Salih Ali Sheikh explains uh, in his explanation of Usul al-Thalatha and other than it, that uh, there are two types of argument. One is you just bring general verses from the Qur'an that establish that worship is for none but Allah. Amara Allah ta'budu illa iyah. He has commanded that you worship none but Allah. These are just general verses which command that you worship only Allah and that you associate no partners with Him in that worship. And then, after this, you can then mention other verses through which it is established that a specific action, a specific statement, a specific action of the heart, that this enters into worship. It is worship. And once we've proven this, it automatically, it automatically proves that this is prohibited to direct this action or this, you know, this act of worship to anyone besides Allah So by way of by way of example, we'll start with his evidence for ad-du'a. قَوْلُهُ تَعَالَى وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا. And indeed, the mosques are the places of prostration are for Allah. Therefore, do not invoke anyone else alongside Allah. Do not invoke, do not make dua to, do not supplicate to anyone alongside Allah. And so the evidence in this verse is that the grammatical structure of this verse is that Allah He made a negation, فَلَا, فلا تَدْعُوا فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ do not invoke anyone alongside Allah, ahada. And this is, ahada is this, uh, anyone, meaning anyone, it's left open and general. It is indefinite. The noun is indefinite. And so whenever you have these two things together, a negation of something that is left open and indefinite, it's not defined, restricted, then this means that this prohibition is absolute. It's an absolute prohibition from calling upon anyone besides Allah Azawajal. And so the Shia comments upon this verse, the citation of this verse, and he says that this is how it ought to be, it's obligatory that the masajid, the mosques, the places of worship, that they are for Allah, that they are sincerely for Allah, meaning, the general meaning here is, that they are not for ar-riya. The masajid are not to, for show and display. And they are not for, for a sum'ah, 
which is that you want the mosque to be spoken of. Like you see, uh, you see with many of the, of the Sufis, you see that, uh, you see the decorations in the mosque, and the mosques are beautified with decorations and, you know, foil and tinsel and stars and all these, you know. This is not the beautification of a masjid. The beautification of a masjid or the worship in a masjid is the, the ibadah itself, the salah, and the recitation of the Qur'an, and the dhikr that you make in the masjid when you sit and you make the dhikr, the istighfar, seeking forgiveness, the teaching, the rehearsing, the revising, and the teaching of the verses of Allah, and the hikmah, the wisdom, the statements of the Messenger of Allah This is how a masjid is adorned and beautified, and this is what it means here, لله, that all of these actions they are done, first of all, these actions, they are done to please Allah Azawajal. So there is no place in a masjid for a person to come and to, to make, to make uh, arriya, which is to seek to be seen and to seek to be heard, meaning showing off. And so this is what the masajid are for. They are not for these affairs where people you know, beautify them physically and so it is said what an amazing masjid and what a beautiful masjid and what and this is not how it is so that's the first part wa anna al-masajid lillah fala tad'u ma'allahi ahada so these mosques are built only for allah for the, for allah being invoked they should not be built around tombs around graves around mausoleums but they are built only for worshiping allah Alone, because they are the houses of Allah. And so the point of evidence then in the verse, فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا Prohibited to invoke anyone besides Allah. This verse therefore is a proof then, clear proof, that dua is therefore ibadah. And Allah clearly and explicitly stated and commanded that no one is invoked besides Him. Another similar verse in meaning, another evidence in meaning, and it's important here to understand that these verses, these verses are verses that we should be <coughs> familiar with because these are our evidences. When we go and we explain Tawheed, we teach Tawheed within our families, within our communities, we have to be equipped with the evidences, the clear, plain evidences. So when you recite these verses and you inform people, uh, they are... You know, hearing the Qur'an, they are hearing, hearing the correct meaning of the Qur'an. And so, the second verse, which goes with the first verse, Allah Azza He says, لَهُ دَعْوَةُ الْحَقِّ لَهُ دَعْوَةُ الْحَقِّ To him belongs the invocation, the, the call in truth. To him belongs the da'wah, meaning the invocation, the call. وَالَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ لَا يَسْتَجِيبُونَ لَهُمْ بِشَيْءٍ إِلَّا كَبَاسِتِ كَفَّيْهِ إِلَى الْمَاءِ لِيَبْلُغَ فَاهُ وَمَا هُوَ بِبَالِغِهِ وَمَا دُعَاءُ الْكَافِرِينَ إِلَّا فِي ضَلَالِ To him belongs the supplication in truth. And those who call upon others besides him, then those others besides will not be able to respond to them with anything. Just like someone who stretches out his hand to the water in order that he may take a drink. 
it is never going to reach his mouth. And the supplication of those who disbelieve is not except misguided. So the meaning here then is that to Allah belongs the, the supplication, the right of supplication. And those whom you call upon besides Allah, they will not be able to respond to you. Just like a man who when he goes, as the Shaykh explains here, that those things besides Allah Azawajal, idols, stones, trees, tombs, mausoleums, to invoke them, to call upon them, to make dua to them is batil. Because they don't hear, they're not able to respond, they're not able to uh, give the person what he's asking for. And the shaykh says that if you came to a well, or you came to a river or something like that, and you have no vessel, you have no cup, you have no vessel, and you simply put your hand into the water like this, thinking that the water is going to come and reach your mouth. This is impossible. This will never ever happen. And so this is the same analogy. This is the same example that Allah has given here for those who call upon others besides Allah. The action is the same. The one who puts out his hand in water, thinking that it will come and enter into his mouth, which is an impossibility. And likewise, the one who invokes idols, you know, invokes others besides Allah. This is impossible. They will never ever respond to that person. So here then we see these two ayat. لَهُ دَعْوَةُ الْحَقِّ To him belongs the supplication in truth. فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحْدًا Prohibited to invoke anyone besides Allah. And also it mentions the impossible... That it is impossible that those people who are those things which are invoked besides Allah, <coughs> that it is impossible for them to respond and give the person what he is asking for because it's outside their capability. So then he said, the next uh, evidence, وَدَلِيلُ istiana. The evidence for isti'ana, for seeking aid. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You alone do we worship. And you alone, from you alone, do we seek aid, do we seek assistance. So, clearly, this is an evidence that isti'ana is worship. It is ibadah. And, as we mentioned previously, that in this ayah, the word order has been reversed. That we would normally say uh, that we seek we seek aid from you, but the word order in Arabic has been reversed. <coughs> so the ma'mul has been brought forward, and the amil. So the so the doer of the act has been delayed. <coughs> And the ma'mul has been brought forward. So we have wa'iyaka nasta'in. So this is now emphasis with the meaning that you alone, it is you that we worship. It is you that we worship. And so this is a form of emphasis. It, it gives the benefit of al-hasar, meaning restriction, that it is only you from whom we seek aid. So, the, so therefore the meaning, when you say iyaka nasta'in, it is we do not seek aid from anyone besides you in the affairs. Meaning from those things that people have no power and ability over, 
as we clarified in the previous lesson. Likewise, istighatha, al-istighatha is rescue, seeking rescue. And the ayah, the proof that the Sheikh brings, إِذْ تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ This is Surah Anfal, speaking about here um, in the Battle of Badr, when Allah Zawajal, He says that when you sought rescue from your Lord, and He responded to you. So this now is a time of calamity, a time of hardship, in a, in, in a situation of war and battle. And they are seeking rescue and deliverance from their Lord. <coughs> and so therefore Allah Zawajal, He says, <coughs> when you sought rescue from your Lord, He responded to you. And so this ayah, uh, Allah responded, uh, he said, فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ إِنِّي مُمِدُّكُمْ بِأَلْفٍ مِّنَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ مُرْدِفِينَ That indeed, he responded to you and he said, I will extend to you a thousand from the angels. And so he gave them uh, rescue with the angels who made them stand firm and who aided them in the fighting and they put fear into the hearts of the, of the enemies. <coughs> and likewise, in another ayah, إِذْ يُوحِيَ رَبُّكَ إِلَى الْمَلَائِكَةِ أَنِّي مَعَكُمْ فَثَبِّتُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا سَأُلْقِي فِي قُلُوبِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الرُّعْبِ <coughs> When your Lord inspired the angels that I am with you, so establish, make firm those who believe. I shall put into the hearts of those who disbelieve الرُّعْبِ which is like a type of fear. So the angels came, descended, in the, the, the battlefield, in the battle of Badr, this is with the believers, making them firm, strengthening their hearts, giving them calmness, and at the same time putting, putting uh, a ru'b, which is like, uh, like, like fear, and uh, like a type of fear into the hearts of the enemies. And so the point of evidence then is al-istighatha, seeking aid, or seeking rescue, sorry, in those things in which only Allah has the power over, this is worship. It is ibadah. Likewise, he mentions the evidence for al-dhabh, which is sacrifice. قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Say, my life, my death, my sacrifice, my, my prayer, my sacrifice, and my life and my death is for Allah, Lord of the worlds. And so here, as we mentioned previously, that Allah Zawajal, He made a connection between as-salah, prayer, and sacrifice, and nusuk. And these two are linked. And we explained, in, again, in the previous lesson, that the, 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 the sacrifice is ibadah, because we are spilling blood out of veneration for Allah Zawajal. Because Allah Zawajal is the one who put life into the animal. And so when we spill the blood... We are spilling it, we are spilling this blood uh, out of veneration of the one who put the blood in the animal, who put life into the animal. And so therefore when someone sacrifices to a jinn, for example, or to a tomb or an idol or something of that nature, then this now really is, to, is, is a type of veneration of that thing, of that person, and it is shirk. And... Likewise, another, another which is making an oath, يُوفُونَ بِالنَّظْرِ وَيَخَافُونَ يَوْمًا كَانَ شَرُّهُ مُسْتَطِيرًا 
They fulfill their oaths. This is a description of the believers. They fulfill their oaths. And they fear a day whose evil is widespread. So again, with another which is taking oath, we mentioned that it is not something which is commanded and legislated that you make an oath. Like when a person says, for example, Oh Allah, I take an oath or I make an oath that if you, if you grant me such and such, I will fast a whole month or I will make umrah or I will do such and such. Right? It is not legislated to do this. But if a person makes an oath from himself, then it is wajib upon him to fulfill it as long as it does not involve anything which is haram. As long as it does not involve anything which is disobedience to Allah Azza wa Jal. So once he makes that oath, it then becomes wajib upon him. But the Sharia has not made making an oath, is not legislated or made it to be, to be wajib. So this was another, another, and so therefore the, the point here is that you make an oath to Allah Azza wa Jal. Unlike those who go to, for example, the tombs, you know, the, the mausoleums, and they go and they, out of all humbleness, they make an oath and they say, Oh, Sheikh so-and-so, Oh, Wali so-and-so, if you grant me such and such, then I will give charity and I will do such and such and I will do such and such. This now is making an oath to, the, to, the, to, the, to, to something besides Allah Azawajal. This then is, is shirk. The evidence for al-khawf, fear, being an act of worship, إِنَّمَا ذَلِكُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ يُخَوِّفُ أَوْلِيَاءَهُ فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ وَخَافُونَ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Indeed, that is shaitan who makes you fear his allies. Do not fear them, but fear me if indeed you are believers. And so this is referring to when uh, the pagans, when they threatened the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the battle of Uhud, the battle of Uhud, they said that we are going to come back and to fight you and we're going to destroy you. And so when the believers heard this speech from the from, from the from the mushrikun, they said, Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. This was their response. That sufficient for us is Allah, and what an excellent disposer of affairs. So, meaning here, they are saying that we depend upon Allah, we rely upon Allah. Your threats do not make us fearful. We're not scared of your threats. We depend upon Allah. And so Allah Azawajal, he responded, إِنَّمَا ذَلِكُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ يُخَوِّفُ أَوْلِيَاءَهُ This attempt to make you scared and fearful, this is coming from shaitan. He's inspiring his allies and his followers to make you scared. He's making you scared by way of his awliya, his allies and friends. فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ وَخَافُونَ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ So therefore do not fear them, but fear me if indeed you are believers. So the point of evidence is then that he made it a condition, he attached it to faith, to iman, in kuntum mu'minin. If you are indeed believers, then do not fear them, <coughs> but fear me. This then is a clear evidence that khawf, fear, is a form and type of worship because clearly he, Allah, he prohibited that others are feared. <coughs> and that he alone should be feared. The next piece of uh, evidence 
is the statement of Allah Azawajal with respect to hope. And the Shaykh brings the ayah at the end of Surah Al-Kahf. فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا Whoever hopes, الرَّجَاء Whoever hopes in the meeting with his Lord, <coughs> let him work righteous deeds and not associate anyone as a partner in the worship of his Lord. So again, الرَّجَاء A person, his hope is that he will see Allah on the Day of Judgment, in Paradise, <coughs> and he works deeds, he does righteous deeds, hoping for the reward from Allah His hope is in Allah. And so, placing this hope in others besides Allah, when this hope is in relation to things which only Allah can give. So, if you have a hope, for example, that you are hoping that so-and-so wali, so-and-so person in the grave is going to grant you relief or that he's going to have your sins forgiven or things which you know, which, which only Allah <coughs> has power over, then this type of hope is, again, it is shirk. It is shirk with Allah Next, evidence for at-tawakkul, which is reliance. وَعَلَى اللَّهِ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Place your reliance upon Allah, if indeed you are believers. Once more, a tawakkul is from the greatest of the forms and types of worship. We see in the Quran that there is a connection between tawakkul and ibadah. In one ayah, Allah he says, Surah Hud, فَعْبُدْهُ وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلِيهِ A connection between tawakkul and ibadah. Worship him, therefore worship him. <coughs> and place your reliance upon him. And this is because, just like with, as we mentioned with ad-du'a and ibadah, they are interchanged. Ad-du'a is an act of worship in which there are many other underlying acts of, acts of worship which are taking place. <coughs> and similarly with at-tawakkul, when you make reliance upon Allah, it means that you are uh, taking the ways and the means, you are taking the asbab, the ways and the means, you are adopting the ways and means. Uh, and when you adopt the ways and means, it means that you believe in al-qada, wal-qadar, that Allah is the creator of everything. He's the creator of everything, and He's creator of all of the causes and effects. And He's the one who's tied all of the causes and the effects together. And He's the one who's you know that when we look, when we see in the creation, we see everything is tied together by causes and effects, and these are the the asbab, the ways and the means, and we take advantage and we employ them and we use them, and so therefore in our daily lives, when we pursue, for example, sustenance, we earn a living, we seek cures for uh, diseases, we all of these things that we pursue, we are pursuing them on the basis that. These are the ways and means. These are the ways and means that Allah has created and also legislated that they be used. So when we make tawakkul upon Allah, underlying this action, there are, there are certain beliefs that we have regarding al-qada, wal-qadar, al-asbab, wal-musababat, causes, effects, and so on and so forth. And likewise, when we take these ways and means, we then 
attach our hearts only to Allah. So our hearts are not attached to the ways and means that we've taken. Rather, we resign everything and we leave it to Allah because we know that He is the creator of the ways and means and ultimately He is the one who gives success. And so tawakkul is from the greatest forms and types of worship for this reason because there are many other things which are connected uh, to this. وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ And anyone who makes this tawakkul upon Allah, Allah will be sufficient for him. وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَزْبُهُ Whoever makes tawakkul upon Allah, he is sufficient for him. He will suffice him. And so this means that the other meaning is that if you rely upon other than Allah, you rely upon the creation, you rely upon your own efforts, you rely upon the ways and the means. You think that just because you've taken the ways and means, you are, you are, you are, you are certain that your goal will be achieved. So now you're relying upon your own efforts or the ways and means or others. Then Allah Azawajal, He will abandon you and leave you to rely upon that other person or whatever else it might be. And so... Uh, you know, so who, who would leave relying upon Allah Azawajal, the most powerful, to that which is the most weak, which is, you know, uh, other, other than Allah Azawajal from, from the creatures. And so also the scholars mentioned from this verse that tawakkul upon Allah is a condition for the validity of your faith. For your faith to be valid, it is a shart, sihhatil iman. Condition for the validity of your faith. So anyone who does not have any tawakkul upon Allah, he walks around thinking that he is self-sufficient and that by his own efforts, by his own deeds, by his own skill, by his own expertise, he will therefore uh, achieve all of his goals and be successful. And this is, this, this is a person who is devoid, devoid of faith, devoid of iman. Then after this evidence for al-inaba, وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ الْعَذَابِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ الْعَذَابِ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْسَرُونَ And turn back to your Lord and submit to Him before there comes to you a punishment and then you will not be supported, you will not be aided. So Al-Inaba, as we said, Al-Inaba, the general meaning is to turn back to Allah, to return to Allah. And Al-Inaba again is a type of worship, <coughs> is a type of worship that it's not something that is found on its own, but rather it's found in the presence of other actions of worship as well, in the presence of love of Allah, in the presence of hope in Allah, in the presence of fear of Allah. And so these other actions are present at the same time when you are turning back to Allah Azawajal. So again, it is a type of it is a type of worship. Evidence for al-mahabba, which is love, is the statement of Allah Azawajal when He says, "وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ." From mankind are those who take others besides Allah as rivals, and they love them as they should love only. As, 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 as with the love that should be directed to Allah. But those who believe are most intense in their love of Allah. 
And so again here, this shows that love is something that, that can be given to Allah and it can be given to other than Allah. But the type of love we are speaking of is not the love that is the love that Allah places between husband and wife and parents and children, you know, the, the relationships that th- this is a natural type of love that a person feels because of these uh, relations. This is not the love that we are speaking of. There is another type of love uh, that enters into, into worship, into ibadah. And this, is, this type of love is the love that involves this type of intense attachment. So there are some people you find them, they, they have a type of love to those whom they worship. Once again, we find this with the grave worshippers. And you see that they have an intense love for the deities that they worship other than Allah. They love them in a manner that should be only given with a love that should only be given to Allah Azza wa Jal. But this is the verse in the Quran which is a proof. Al-Mahabba is a, a love. Al-Khashya, which is the awe of Allah. فَلَا تَخْشَوُ النَّاسِ فَلَا تَخْشَوُ النَّاسِ وَخْشَوُنَ Do not fear the people, but fear me. And likewise, the evidence of Ar-Raghba and Ar-Rahba, which is again a type of uh, fear and a type of hope. Allah Zawajal, He describes the status of the prophets. He says about them, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَيَدْعُونَنَا رَغَبًا وَرَحَبًا وَكَانُوا لَنَا خَاشِئِينَ Indeed, they used to rush towards the good deeds and they used to call upon us in out of hope and out of fear. And they used to have awe, they used to be awe, in awe of us. وَكَانُوا لَنَا خَاشِئِينَ So this verse is a description of the prophets and how they used to be when they used to worship Allah. When they worshipped Allah, they would combine all of these things together. They would, when they were put to trial, they would worship Allah and they would invoke Him out of hope in Allah and fearing Allah. And this is a proof, it's a refutation the Shaykh says against those like the Sufis once more who worship Allah out of love only. So they say, that when we are worshipping Allah, it is, it is pure love and nothing else. We don't do it because we fear the hellfire. We don't do it because we hope in reward in paradise. Hope and fear is something that we... we it's not the basis upon which we worship Allah. Rather, it is just pure love. And this really, if you look at the Sufis in general... Uh, we find that the Sufis have a great deal of resemblance, resemblance to the Christians. They went astray in a manner similar to how the Christians went astray. So first, to begin with, first of all, we find that the Christians, when their religion took shape as a, you know, uh, when it departed from what Isa al-Islam, what he brought, the first thing that, that you find is, that they abolished the law. They abolished meaning the sharia, meaning the, 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 the acts of worship, the ibadat, the mu'amalat, the ahkam. Right? Because the one who innovated this religion for them, Paul or Saul, the first thing they did was, well, you don't need to stick uh, uh, to observe the law, the Torah. Right? And he said, you just need to believe that Jesus is a son of God, incarnate, and he's your savior. 
So first of all, the law has gone. And you know that when we worship Allah, when we obey Him, and we keep away from His disobedience, when we obey Him, when we follow the law, we hope that we will be rewarded. We hope for reward in paradise. And when we refrain from what the law has prohibited, then we fear punishment of the fire. So the law is something that is necessary to, to iman. The law is, is the righteous actions. And so therefore from the completeness in worship, in ibadah, is that you worship Allah upon love and upon hope, hope in His reward and fear of His punishment. So just like the Christians went astray and they abolished the law and they claimed to worship Allah out of just pure love because they have, they, they have no law that they, that, they, that they adhere to. Then you see that <clears throat> in, this, in, in this respect and other respects as well, you see the Sufis, you find that the, 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 the law, they have, they have with them irja, which is that faith is just in the heart. And actions are not really an, from the essence of faith. It's what's in the heart that counts. If you just simply love Allah Azawajal, and you believe that He alone has the right to be worshipped and you love Him, then the deeds don't really count. The deeds won't really increase your faith, they won't really de- decrease your faith if you avoid them. <coughs> and so this is false, and we know that a person must uh, worship Allah combining between love and hope and fear and all of these must be in balance. They must be, they must be balanced. Uh, there can't be any love without adherence to the, to the law. So this then is الرغبة and الرحبة which is fear and hope. Next is دليل, the دليل, the evidence for a devotion. Is the statement of Allah Azawajal, wa ilahukum ilahun wahid, la ilaha illahu, huwa rahmanur rahim. Your Lord or your deity, wa ilahukum, your deity is a single deity. There is none which has the right to be worshipped except He, ar Rahman, ar Rahim. The evidence for ar Ruku' and as Sujood, which is bowing and prostrating, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا رُكَعُوا وَاسْجُدُوا وَاعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ وَافْعَلُوا الْخَيْرِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِهُونَ O you who believe, bow, prostrate, and worship your Lord, and do good deeds, in order that you may prosper. So this is now evidence for the, for the physical acts of worship. We are commanded to direct them to Allah Azza wa Jal. And the dalil of Al-Khushu' وَإِنَّ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ لَمَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَمَا أُنْزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ وَمَا أُنْزِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ خَاشِعِينَ لِلَّهِ لَا يَشْتَرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ ثَمْنًا قَلِيلًا Indeed amongst the people of the book are those who believe in Allah, they believe in what was revealed to you and what was revealed to them and they are humble, they have khushu, meaning they lower themselves for Allah. They do not sell His signs for a small price. So, all of these are evidences, as we said, it is upon us uh, that, we, that we are aware of these evidences because these evidences prove that this particular act, this particular feeling in the heart, this particular physical action, that all of this is an act of worship which Allah has ordered 
that it be directed only to him alone in language which is very, very, very clear and very, very apparent. And so anyone, once we've established this, that these are indeed acts of worship, it becomes clear then that anyone, as the Shaykh says, فَمَنْ صَرَفَ شَيْئًا مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَنْوَاعِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ بِاللَّهِ غَيْرَهِ Anyone who directs any of these affairs, these forms and types to other than Allah, then indeed he has committed shirk with Allah. So, now we're coming to the end of the treaties, we're coming to the end of the speech of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, rahimahullahu ta'ala. And so, he comments and he says, you see, there are many, many people today who they indeed direct these types and forms of worship to other than Allah, then they describe it with names and labels and types by which to disguise that action. So as we said before, they will say, well, this is tawassul, and this is wasila, and this is, um, you know, they'll, they'll give me, you know, many other, they'll try to change the label upon the action. Just like you try to change the label on a bottle of alcohol, and you put a label, this is water, but the reality underneath is, is still the same. In a similar manner, when you look at physically what is it that these people are doing in their actions, when they go to the grave, for example, and they say, Oh Wali, I have an illness, please cure me. Oh Wali, I am barren, I can have no children, please grant me a child. And then they call this tawassul, or wasila, or shafa'a. This label doesn't change the reality of what they are doing. This is shirk with Allah because they are invoking others besides Allah. They are seeking rescue from others besides Allah. They are placing hope. They are, seek, they are seeking isti'ana in a thing in which only Allah has control and power over. So the reality is the same, but then they change the label. And this is unfortunately something that the evil scholars amongst them, they have misguided and misled the common folk, the general folk, and they have you know, be, uh, uh, beguiled them and misled them by the likes of these tricks that they play. And likewise they say to them, they make them fearful, that if you turn away from these graves and these awliya, all these names that they have, the Sayyid, the Wali, you know, the sahib of sir the one in whom there is a secret. If you turn away from these people, then the affairs of your world will collapse. All your affairs will collapse. The sustenance, the well-being, the safety, the security, all of this, your offspring, your wealth, all of this will collapse. The affairs of the society will collapse if you turn away from these, you know, these, uh, the, you know, these people. And so this mentality, this is a mentality that you will find in many, many Muslim countries. You will find it in places like Pakistan, Bangladesh, in Egypt, you will find it. Uh, a strong mentality whereby they believe that the well-being of the nation is founded upon attachment to the awliya. This is how you find, this is how you find it. And unfortunately, this is the primary reason that we have calamities within the Muslim nation and you know the weakness and the, the various other calamities. So in any case, we find that when a person comes and he tries to call them, 
tries to invite them, tries to educate them, then they think that this person has departed from the religion. Because they've been made to believe that this is the religion. That devotion to these, to these deities, attachment to them, this excessive love for them, and fulfilling one's needs through them, that this is the essence of the religion. So when you come and you tell them, make dua to Allah, seek rescue from Allah, seek aid from Allah, fear none but Allah, and all of these, which, which are nothing but clear commands in the Qur'an. You are not saying anything more than what Allah is stating in the Qur'an. Then it is as if you have abandoned the religion. You have departed from the way of the forefathers. You have exited, you, 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 you are a khariji, you are from the khawarij. And so this is, the Shaykh says, that they, they describe such a person, بِأَنَّهُ khariji. Why? Because he dishonors the salihin, he disrespects the righteous people, and so on and so forth. And so really the Shaykh says, unfortunately this is a situation where Allah He has made them blind. They become blind to the, to the basair, to the clear, you know, their visions have become blind to that which is clearly evident in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And this is because they have blindly followed their shaykhs and their, you know, those whom they venerate. So this is from one angle. Uh, this is from one angle then, that they change the label. The second angle, Shaykh says, is that this is la ilaha illallah. And, you know, it is something they say only in word. As for the meaning, and as for practically abiding by it, it is something that is not found with the likes of these people. He says one thing with his tongue, then he opposes it in his belief, and he opposes it in his action. So he says it with his tongue, then he invalidates and falsifies it by what he, by what he does. So then we come to the final statement of Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab, رحمه الله تعالى, فَإِنْ قِيلَ فَمَا أَجَلُّ أَمْرٍ أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ If it is then said, if someone asks you, what is the greatest, loftiest command that Allah has commanded with? The loftiest affair. قِيلَ It is said in response, تَوْحِيدُهُ بِالْعِبَادَةِ It is to single him out in worship. وَقَدْ تَقَدَّمَ بَيَانُهُ And its explanation has already proceeded. وَأَعْذَمُ نَحْيٍ نَحُ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ الشِّرْكُ بِهِ And the greatest prohibition that he is prohibited is setting up partners with him. And this is وَهُوَ أَنْ يَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ غَيْرَهُ And this is to call upon others besides Allah alongside him. And that you seek, those, that you seek this thing and you direct other acts of worship to, to it. So whoever directed any of the forms and types of worship to other than Allah, he has taken him as a Lord and an Ilah. And he has committed shirk with Allah. And it has already preceded the various verses, which indicate that this is the shirk which Allah prohibited, and this is what he rejected against the mushrikeen. And he said, وَقَدْ قَالَ تَعَالَى إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لَمَنْ يَشَاءُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا بَعِيدًا Indeed, Allah does not forgive. This is the verse he finishes with. Indeed, Allah does not forgive that partners should be, should be raised with him or uh, set up for him. 
But he forgives what is less than that to whomever he wills, and whoever commits shirk with Allah has indeed gone far, far, far astray. And likewise in Surah Al-Ma'idah, وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ وَمَا لِلْظَالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنْصَارِ Whoever commits shirk with Allah, Allah has made paradise unlawful for him. And the zalimeen, the wrongdoers, will not have any aiders. وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمْ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ وَلَنْبِينَ مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ The Shaykh then, Shaykh Salah Fuzan, he simply comments upon this uh, closing passage uh, simply by saying that the greatest affair commanded by Allah Azawajal is Tawheed. And this is what every single prophet, every single messenger came with. And the greatest prohibition is the prohibition of shirk. These affairs are greater than the affair of drinking. They are greater than the affair of fornication. They are greater than the affair of killing and of gambling and adultery and all of these vices that we see. And we see that when the messengers were commanded to go and call people to rectify societies, they first of all, they began with Tawheed. And that's why we see in the example of Mu'adh bin Jabal, when he was sent to by the Messenger of Allah to, to Yemen, indeed you are going to a people who are people of the book. Let the first thing that you call them to <coughs> be the Tawheed of Allah. To single him out in worship. If they accept this, then tell them to pray five times. And if they accept this, then tell them to give uh, zakah or to you know do the do the fasting and the various other acts of worship that come afterwards. And so the Sheikh says that from this is that when you call people you don't you do not start with something other than Tawheed. Because if you call someone to pray, his prayer is not valid to begin with. Because Aslan it you know it can't be upon if he doesn't accept Tawheed, how can his prayer, how can his worship be even accepted in the first place? So this is one point. And the other point is that uh, we see many, many people, uh, even those who ascribe to Tawheed and the Sunnah, they go astray on this point. You find them, there are graduates from the Islamic University of Medina. They spend six years there, then they come back, they go back to their societies and their communities. And what do they want to rectify? They say, oh, well, there are so many marriage problems and there are so much drugs going on and there's so much this and there's so much that. And, you know, everything that they want to do is they want to make alliances and they want to make friendships and they want to... And what, what are they trying to do? So they will unite with Sufis. They will unite with other people. And what are they, what are they trying to do? Let's work together to deal with the issue of drugs. Let's work together to deal with the issue of these vices. There's too much, you know, marriage breakdowns, and there is this, and there is that, and there is this. And at the same time, they belittle the affair of Tawheed. They say, look, of what benefit is it going to be that we teach usul al-Falatha to people in a masjid? How is that going to solve the problem of drugs? How is that going to solve the problem of you know, marital relationships. And this is from the greatest of jahl, the greatest of ignorance. How can a person spend that much time in the city of Medina and come out making remarks like this? Has he even understood the tawheed of Allah Azawajal? Has he even understood the methodology of the prophets in calling to Allah? 
And so in reality, you find that the rectification in every single society of these vices, it ultimately always comes back down to Tawheed. And that's why, if you just reflect, and you compare between you know, societies in which you see that the common person understands Tawheed. Like for example, you see in the Gulf countries, in Saudi Arabia, in Kuwait, and you know, in the surrounding countries where, generally speaking, you can, see, you can see that the average average person, he understands what is Tawheed. He actually understands what is Tawheed. Right? It is taught in the schools. And so when you look at the correlation between that and the vices and the sins, you see that it is, it is very, very... We're not saying it doesn't exist. Of course it exists. Because a person who has uh, the disease of shahwa in his heart, a person who has... You know, who, who, who is valim, he will oppress other people, he will steal, he will cheat, a person will try to fulfill his desires in unlawful ways. We're not saying that this doesn't happen, it happens. But when you, when you compare the occurrence of these vices in other places where you see shirk is rampant and present, like for example, Pakistan and Egypt and you know, other places like that, you will see that the vices are much, much more. They are abundant and frequent. You know, you will see open, uh, shameful deeds in the open, in the streets being committed. You will see a great more deal of crime, a great more deal of stealing, a great more reasons to feel fearful for your, for your security. There's a correlation between the two. And these things, they take time. They take time. They take time for this to filter through the society and for the people to then, you know, it, for, the, for it to touch their hearts, and for them to then become fearful and to abandon these vices. Yeah, it has to enter into the hearts. Yeah? It has to sink into the hearts. And this takes time, it takes education, it takes uh, nurturing. But you see, these people who come out with these, with these horrendous ideas after spending six, eight, ten years in the city of Medina, it is, it is these people... Do not have the patience for this. They don't learn from the patience that the prophets and messengers had. How long did the prophets and messengers spend in trying to rectify the societies? This rectification will come eventually. So that's why it is important for us to understand that the affair of Tawheed is the greatest affair of the religion. And you can evaluate. Any society, by looking at the people therein, the Muslims therein, Muslims, what is it that they are doing? What is it that they're doing? Are they sitting in their masajid? Are they teaching Tawheed? Are they teaching it to their children? Are they calling the people to Tawheed? When you see that taking place, you can see that there will be goodness in the society. Or the society is on the way to rectification. When you see that all they are doing, you see nothing, no concern to Tawheed, no concern of teaching the books, no concern with memorizing the text, no concern with explanation from the scholars, no concern of taking this to the, to the, to the average person in, 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 in the community. All you see is people wanting to, you know, improve the environment for the children, deal with marital problems, you know, uh, giving, um, uh, what you call it, consultation, you know, uh, psychological support and, you know, tackling drugs and all, all this type of stuff, this society is not really going to change fundamentally. So, with that, 
so we conclude, and this really brings us to the end of this uh, treatise. So we have, we, this is uh, the second in two treaties that we did. Uh, the first was an explanation, tafsir, kalimat, la ilaha illallah. An explanation of the meaning of la ilaha illallah. And this treatise really is, is a, it, it fits nicely with the previous treaties. This treatise, al-jami' li'ibadatillahi wahda. So, uh, we finish there then. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Inshallah, we'll, fin- we'll start with a new treatise <coughs> in the next lesson that we have, inshallah ta'ala. Wallahu a'lam. How do you mean if uh, uh, somebody is worried about this life? Worried, worried. Worried, yeah. Yeah. About the life, I mean, yeah. and uh, the problem about the work, about the job, and the daily problem. Yeah. Too much. I know there should be worried. Yeah. He's exaggerating that. Yeah. So does that uh, link it to the Tawheed? Uh, so the question is that uh, if a person worries about just life in general, <coughs> about the issues that he encounters in life, you know, things like work and family and things of that nature, and this, this worry uh, is too much. Does this affect uh, a person's uh, tawheed? Well, yes, excess, these things, when taken to excess, they can uh, start affecting, uh, uh, you know, a person's tawheed. And that's because, first of all, we should understand about tawheed, that tawheed, people vary in their tawheed. And Tawheed has, you know, there's a foundation for Tawheed. And there's also perfection in the affairs of Tawheed. Meaning that the people vary in the perfection of their Tawheed. And so some people, they're completely free of... Obviously there is there is uh, major shirk and there is minor shirk. Major shirk is something that expels from the fold of Islam. Then there is major shirk. These are statements that a person makes and... You know, certain, certain things that a person might say and might do, which is from the ways and means that lead to major shirk, but it is not something which, you know, expels him. Uh, it's, not, it's not that he's actually worshipped one besides Allah, but it is something that can lead him to do that. So there's, there's a deficiency in that person's tawheed if he falls into the likes of those affairs. And then there is perfection of tawheed. Like, for example, there are some believers who, whose tawakkul is such that they do not resort to certain things which are permissible. Right? So for example, uh, you know, asking someone to do ruqya upon you. Right? This is something permissible. But if you don't, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a level of perfection in your tawheed. That you don't ask people to do things for you. It's permissible, but it's a greater sign of your attachment to Allah. Right? That you... So there are certain things by which there is a perfection in your tawheed and the believers vary. There are certain things in which there it actually makes a deficiency in your tawheed, right? Which are the, the affairs of, of, of minor, minor shirk. So the first point then is that there is a variation amongst the believers in relation to these two things. 
perfection of Tawheed or there being a deficiency in, uh, in a person's uh, Tawheed. Now, there are some things which if you fall into them excessively, then it is something that is a deficiency in Tawheed. So the brother mentioned, you know, excessive worry and despair and things of that nature or like a type of fear. Sometimes you have fear. And these things can are, are, are really baseless. They can, they can be baseless. Like for example, uh, we see that with respect to fear. If you look in uh, Kitab al-Tawheed, you see there are certain chapters that deal with uh, things to do with omens. Belief in omens, for example. Like the Arabs used to have certain things where if they were about to go on a journey and a bird came and it flew overhead and it went in a certain direction. They took this to mean a bad omen. And so therefore they would refrain from the journey. They would no longer go on the journey because they believe that this is a sign that something evil is going to happen. Now if you think about the situation here, this is a type of fear which has absolutely no basis. It is a baseless type of fear. Because there is no connection within Allah's creation between a bird flying in a certain direction and between a calamity that might happen to you. Even if there was a calamity, let's say that you did travel and there was a calamity, that had nothing to do with the bird. It was purely the qada and the qadr of Allah. So the point being that when you, this is one of the, 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 the uh, types of manu shirk is that when you make something to be a cause which is not a cause, when you make something to be a cause which isn't a cause, so a bird flying in a certain direction that is not a cause of any evil that is going to befall. There's no connection between the two. So, so therefore, to build fear, to have fear on the basis of those types of things, this now is minor shirk. It is minus shirk. Right? So understanding this, likewise, when you start having... Uh, so this is like a type of fear which is baseless. So likewise, when you start worrying and stressing and despairing and going above the normal things that no people, they, they, they are concerned for their welfare, for their wealth, for their health, for their children, for their well-being. These are things that we, that we feel naturally. But there's a point beyond which it leads into despair and an excessive type of fear. And that type of fear is something that then can impact a person's tawheed. Right? Like, uh, as, as, as the brother said, that you start uh, worrying too much, start despairing too much. Right? It leads you to, to, to despair, to despair of the mercy of Allah. It leads you to start... You know, when you read the Qur'an, you see that Allah Azawajal... لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا Allah does not burden a soul more than what it can bear, first of all. So there's nothing that will come to you except that it is bearable. It is bearable for you. If you have the sabr, if you have the, the certainty, if you have belief in Allah's promise, right? There's nothing that you cannot, that you cannot bear by Allah's uh, permission. So yes, the answer to your question is yes, that when this feeling goes in excess, then a person starts falling to things which Allah has prohibited. Right? 
from you know uh, despairing, despairing of Allah's uh, mercy. So everything has to be in balance. Everything has to be. Uh, one more uh, thing I hear about, I don't, I don't know if uh, hadith sahih because some people said that the so people can make you know expectation three things. One of them is wife and uh, car and uh, house. So this was the truth of this one. So yeah, this this is this is different. This is. Um, yeah, but that's linked to tahrir too. Yeah, this this is a, a, a different issue, and. These are things which a person, he might have the, the misfortune. Right? So when we speak about misfortune, that is mentioned in relation to these three things, it is not the same as when you have a person, you know, a bird, and it's taken as an omen because that thing has no connection to the evil that might befall you. But a man... He might make certain decisions to buy a house, to buy a car, to get married to a woman. And then what happens is that once he's done, once he's, you know, bought the car or bought the house or married a woman, he then realizes, hold on a minute, this is this is not good. The car breaks down, right? The house has problems with it. Does the foundations weren't, you know, correct, or the, you know, the, or the woman? Yeah. And the, yeah, and, and the woman, you know, there's some traits that he didn't see in this woman that now it's not bearable for him, and you know, it's it's evil and whatever else, right? So yes, now you can see this as a type of bad. It's like a bad, like omen, like something bad. But this is not the same as the thing that we were discussing before, right? No, so some people when they married and they have accident or somebody from the relative from family died, then they connected this. But to the, the wife. No, but that's, but that's not what the hadith is speaking about though. That's something different now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. That's something, that's, the hadith is not speaking about. This is people's own, when they say, well, I got married to such and such woman, and then so and so died, and maybe there's a connection. There's no connection. This is now going back, this is now going back to the, the, the omen about the bird, similar to that, yeah. where they're making connection between one thing, that it is tied to another thing. No. That's the connection they are making in their minds. Right? So that's different. But this issue about if there was like an, an omen is in three things, this is from a different angle. It's not the same as, as that one. Yeah. Okay, for no more questions, we'll finish there, inshallah ta'ala, and we'll continue in uh, two weeks' time with something new, inshallah ta'ala. Subhanakullah,
there is a work, there is a Muslim who asked me because in his family there is someone who see an expression. I don't know, I never hear this person or whatever, they say Gordon Bennett. Oh. And, and I never. So he asked me, is this something. Because normally when you're shocked with something, you say subhanAllah or this type of words of remembrance. So is it, is it, is it some type of. Can we push it or. Because uh, I don't even know who's that. <laughs> Gordon Bennett is a person, I, I don't really understand it, but it's more like. Um, I, 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 I don't look into it because yeah. I've heard this, I've heard, heard it being said. Yeah. But I, I, like you, I've never understood the, what, what, the, what the background to it is. Well, I'm not looking to it, inshallah. But I guess it's yeah. not something you should say. No, no, no. Yeah, of course, yeah. If you can look into it, it's like a lot of Thank you.